and welcome to the podcast. I'm Sonia Thomas. I'm Sarah Jordan. And I'm Gavin Cooper. Hi, welcome to episode four. And today we're joined by Wai Kiong Wong, who is a clinical hematologist at UCLH, as well as the Trust's Chief Research Information Officer. So after the introduction of uh, electronic health record system at UCLH, data is no longer technically difficult to collect. And the research potential of an organization can rise dramatically. But this throws up new challenges for clinicians consenting patients, ethics committees, and information governance. We discussed the lessons learned from the controversial collaboration between the Royal Free Hospital and Google's DeepMind. Will electronic health records help in the detection of patients deteriorating earlier? And what other interesting directions will clinical research take now that randomized trials can be designed and run completely within this electronic system? Thanks, Wai Kiong, for joining us. And you are the chief research information officer for EPIC, which is our UCLH has kind of just implemented an electronic Mm -hmm. health record system. And I guess the first question is, EPIC went live about three months ago now. Mm -hmm. And what's your job been like, I guess, over the last couple of years and your involvement with it? All right. Um, So yes, you're right. So I'm the Chief Research Information Officer for UCLH. And actually, only half of that time is spent on the um, EPIC EHRS program, as we call it. Um, And the other half of my time is actually spent with the um, Clinical Research Informatics Unit, um, which is uh, funded by the uh, UCLH uh, BRC. You're right. When I first got this job, I had to ask myself, what is my job? And I, I and the beauty about having a, a job where you are the first, you can almost define what you want to do. And one thing that is interesting is that UCLH had the foresight to um, employ such a post, Chief Research Information Officer. I believe that I'm one of the first five in this country. Okay. And so when I tell people what my job is, I tell them it's one of three things. So the first thing is, how do we use digital technologies to make a running clinical trials and studies better? And this is, the, this is really the EPIC component. Some of you may be aware in EPIC, research is right at the forefront, in the face, in the patient banner. So if you are part of a study, it's there. And so all the functionality around that, around the ability to record adverse events, um, safety monitoring, recruitment, mm. um, is, if you like, one part of my job. The second part of my job is, how do you make all the rich data that you now co- collect digitally available for research? And some of it is a technology challenge, like as simple as how do you extract the data? Mm-hmm. But actually much more about it is about the challenges around information governance, around ethics. Because, you know, when patients come to UCLH to be treated, we collect their information as part of the care that we deliver. And they expect us to do that because we can't work. They may not expect us to use it for research. They may not expect us to use it for audit or service improvement purposes. Yeah. So we do have to put processes in place to do that. So that's kind of the second part of my job. And it's, it's, it's really good to have this problem because prior to this, everything was trapped on paper, really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so that's the second part of my job. And the third part of my job is much more around the kind of innovation space. Now that we have an electronic health record system, can we think of the electronic health record system not just as a record system? Because that kind of devalues it slightly. Yeah. Act, yeah. If, if you it's just, not just paper on a different form. No. Yeah. Not just well, the way we document. It's very easy to become paper just on a different form, but we cannot yeah. view it that way. Yeah. We have to view it as an opportunity to improve care. So don't think of it as a record system, but think of it as a new intervention system. Okay. Right? So how do you make patient care safer? How do you make discharges earlier? 
how do you make quality measures much more transparent to the charge nurse so that they can act on it today and not when they get a report in a month's time. Mm -hmm. And on the more research side, can we actually do trials within the electronic health record system? Imagine, like, like Gavin, you, um, I think you, you led on the uh, nurse administration of antibiotics in, yeah. in neutropenic sepsis. Do we know whether that actually improves outcomes? We think it's a good idea, we don't know. But is there a way of randomizing it so that in some cases, nurses are allowed to and some they're not? And they actually run the study like that within the electronic health record system. Okay. We have alerts, you know, we have alerts in the system all the time. Um, like, oh, this patient is at risk of falls. Do we know if the alerts actually work? We don't. Uh, and so we're really keen to have this kind of new trials, which no one will ever fund because they're too expensive, but within the electronic system, it becomes suddenly a lot cheaper. Because mm. we already have all of that data there. Yeah, you have all the data there. You don't have to have another separate data collection. You don't have a data manager. You don't. So it immediately... It kind of comes down to more, I guess, of like the ethics and the consent exactly. is more the difficult thing or the, the problem than rather, yeah. because clearly the data is there, ready to be... Yeah. In, exactly. in a format we can look at. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess so. So those three things, you know, using digital technologies like Epic to to run clinical studies, making data available, and seeing the electronic health record system as an intervention would probably be the three things that I described to people what my job is. Yeah. And I guess we've already heard of an example in the newspapers. I guess over the last few years, where there was. Um, uh, patient blood results that then triggered warnings about mm -hmm. acute kidney injury at another London hospital, and that was kind of done with Google, wasn't it? Kind mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. So, is UCLH taking different approach to kind of ensure there's you know patients feel comfortable with the use of their data? Yeah. So, so that particular example with Google is always uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, the controversy was around working with a industry partner or a commercial partner to make care safer in the hospital. I think there was no problem with that. I think the, 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 the mistake was then, I think it's more naivety rather than anything else, was that they agreed to share all the patient's data without real safeguards or real purpose. Okay. Because you say, do you really need every single patient's data, including those that will never come back to this hospital, to be able to do acute kidney injury alerting. So I think it was a bit of naivety uh, on, on both the parts of the industry partner and, and the trust. I guess the whole of the NHS has really benefited from that experience. So in, in your specific question, um, what is our approach to that? I think there's two separate things. What is our approach to, to using um, electronic health record systems uh, for safety purposes? And what is our approach to working with industry partners to make sure that if there's any um, um, IP or value that have come from uh, the use of the data uh, that has been collected at UCLH, how does UCLH and how does the NHS also see some of the returns back? And some of the returns could be from the point of view of safer care, and some of it could be financial. So those are slightly two, two separate things. On the first bit, on how we, if, if you like, use the electronic health record to make care safer, I think that is definitely something we want to start to look at soon. We are still in what we call the stabilization phase of the electronic health record system. Stabilization is exactly what it means. It means that there are still a lot of things broken. Yeah. Some of it is less obvious to us clinicians um, than others that needs to be fixed. 
and we have to fix them because if we don't fix them, we either don't get paid or patients might, um, might not as have as smooth a journey uh, through UCLH as they used to or they should have. Mm-hmm. And we should really concentrate on that and then shift the focus you know, towards the end of this year towards doing more things like the, the alerting. There are some hospitals in the US that have had this electronic health record system mm. for a long time. And I know just from a, a presentation about deteriorating patients, they've got really sort of, when we think about news, having six things that feed into it to sort of help predict risk. Mm. That with they, they're already in a position where they might have 30 or 40 pieces of data mm-hmm. coming in to help predict risk. I mean, is what sort of kind of, I guess, blue sky? So I don't think it's, we don't actually have to call it blue sky thinking because I think it's actually not that far away. Okay. Um, so, so if you think about like new score, right, you've got like seven variables or six variables or whatever it is. And of course, you've got this, this very important variable is what does the nurse feel? You know, like, yeah. uh, do you think that this patient is at risk? And you don't just depend on the score. Um, you are right. There are, uh, uh, there are predictive models that take it up to, instead of six variables, up to 30 or 40. And then you get in the realm of advanced analytics. And this is when people start talking about things like uh, machine learning and AI, yeah. right? The, the reality is that you hear these stories from other, other areas where they are using these scores that has up to 30 or 40 variables. A lot of them haven't really been tested on how effective it actually is. Because we know that you know, for, uh, it's very easy to, for, to make claims. It's much harder to have actual evidence to prove the claims. So from our point of view, we want to make sure that we have the technology to support the development of these kind of new algorithms. Because Epic by itself is not going to do that. Epic does actually come with some predictive models for like for sepsis, for risk of ITU admission. Now these models have been developed in the US based on US patients, based on the way US people collect data. They've never been deployed outside of the US. So it'd be probably quite hard to port what they have done. And also, I've yet to see a single academic paper that have shown that any of the scores that they developed um, actually changes outcome. Um, it is used in a ridiculous number of places already, mm-hmm. um, but, um, but I think we have to take them, you know, being UCLH, being UCLH, you know, research hospital, um, lots of academics here, we probably want to have a slightly different way of doing this. Uh, and I think you, you, you pick sepsis, I think that's a great example. I'm, I never knew that, for example, that most of the sepsis leads in the country are consultants here and the inventor of the new scores, another consultant here. Yeah. So, you know, if we, now that we have Epic, significant investment in infrastructure alongside Epic to enhance its functionality and the people that know how to do it. I think if UCLH doesn't do this, it's a, we've missed a serious trick. That's quite exciting to be part of that, really. Yeah, it, it is. I have this thing, when people talk about innovation, they always talk about like really cool stuff, you know, like a, a new app or a new, <laughs> new, new, new wearable or something like that. But I personally, anyway, and I think most of my colleagues uh, in the program support this, I want to find a way for innovation at every single level, right? Innovation yeah. at the ward yeah. level, innovation. At, and the innovation doesn't have to be, the innovation could just be two teams that don't usually work together, they're working together now, and they work together to build a form in Epic. I know that doesn't sound like very sexy, but we all know that things like that can make a real impact on patient care. So we want to find a way of encouraging these things uh, to happen. And how do you prioritize this new innovation versus fixing bugs in the system? And I think there needs to be a balance. 
I'll be really excited to see in a year's time what the balance would be. You know, is it 30% new stuff, 70% fixing stuff? Because we always need to fix stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I hope as this organization would shift the balance uh, a little bit to invest more on the innovation side. Because I think we, we will get the payback if it's not financial, but in other ways. And I think it has to be the people that are working at the bedside with the patient and it has to be their ideas. It'd be great to think of nurses having a big input in that in an idea they have and then being supported to do it through using Epic. And I think the, the good news here, I suppose, is that Natasha Phillips, that most of you will know, who's our Chief Nursing Information Officer, is completely on this page. I mean, um, we are always in constant com conversation on how we could create the, the structures to encourage this. So, you know, and I think we'll continue pushing. And, and, and I'm already getting ideas from my own like uh, medical colleagues on how they want to do something new. And at the moment, I most unfortunately, I have to turn them away a little bit because we're in the stabilization phase and there's no framework for it because it is, re it is unfortunately resources and we need to find a way of allocating resources. Mm. Uh, but I think we have to do it. Otherwise, we're not taking advantage of the system. Yeah, they're good problems to have, aren't they? You know, like which, which great new idea do we implement <laughs> over which other great idea, you know? Yeah. But, but it's an active decision. Yeah. It's an active decision to want to improve. Patient deterioration, as you say, mm. is obviously a really interesting area where Epic might help. Is there, there are other sort of interesting research directions you think will be, will be applying this? Because I mean, I guess clearly the, if you had machine learning, if you've got the data, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. So I mean, how, how do you consent people with you know, informed consent to, to get involved with sort of utilizing their data in these sorts of ways? So th that's interesting. So it's it's so you take for example. So an example that we use quite a lot is: Are you able to predict who is not going to show up for their MRI appointment, mm -hmm. um, so that you can contact them? You can contact everyone, or you can contact the people at greatest risk of MRI non-attendance or any non-attendance for mm -hmm. that matter. Uh, then you could just choose to call the ten people instead of the one thousand people, um, and you can apply analytics today. Uh, based on, let's say, five variables or six variables to predict the people. But if you use, let's say, a machine learning approach to do that, you may be able to do it better. So I guess the question is, what is the difference between applying simple statistics versus machine learning, which is effectively another form of analysis mm -hmm. for this particular purpose? I would argue it's just a more advanced analytics. The purpose is exactly the same. In this case, the purpose is, is service improvement, better utilization of resources. Um, so from that point of view, I think our patients will probably be, be surprised that we don't do it rather than we do do it. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to things that are a little bit more experimental, where it really falls within research, such as making treatment recommendations, sure. right? You should probably consider this antibiotic versus the other antibiotic. Now that starts to fall outside the realm of what we do today and really falls within research because we don't know the recommendation is right. We don't know whether that will make a difference. So I think in those applications of advanced analytics and AI as an actual research project, mm -hmm. and patients will probably, will, well, it'll be a test to tell the truth for our ethics committee because how in the world do you consent people to that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we do consent people for cancer studies all the time. Sure. So that is, it's not like we have no precedent. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the, but the potential for the amount of research we can do is all of a sudden gone up dramatically. We, we want 
in fact, we want that problem. We want yeah. it to happen. We want, we want UCLH to be the place where if you are a researcher in healthcare, we want UCLH to be an attractive place for you yeah. to do research. We want them to come here. Yep. Yeah, we want them to come here. We want people to be nurses here. We want people to be medics here because this is because they, they see that it's easier to do this here. Just a very simple example. So if you try to go to any funding bodies nowadays to say, oh, I've got a great digital IT research project and I'm going to work with Hospital A, funders actually don't like funding that because what they realize is that you fund a PhD, let's say, for three years. They'll spend the first 18 months just jumping through hoops and filling forms even before they can start looking at the data. If UCLH have thought about the frameworks already, thought about how you get this to happen, have the tools available, thought about the ethics, thought about the IG, and if you cut that 18 months down to, let's say, three, mm. you become a very, very attractive place to do it, right? You can imagine. And then the funders will go, huh, I see that the hospital you're going to work with is UCLH. You've got good experience that they deliver in this kind of studies. We are more likely to fund it. So... That was the, the second bit of my job bit. So we need to create an environment whereby it's, it's, it's permissive to this kind of research. In terms of your mm. involvement with Epic, mm. I mean, when did it kind of, how, how far back before the launch date, which was sort of uh, end of March, how far of this year, so, how, how so, far back so, did it go? So my personal involvement yeah. um, in, in this project was 18 months before Go Live. Of course, before that, there was the whole procurement, procurement, choosing the vendor and stuff. I wasn't directly involved there. I was as involved as you, basically. I attend demos and yeah. make my opinion known. Uh, but I was personally only involved uh, when the program was already signed off. Um, so 18 months. And I was right there from the beginning of the build uh, when Epic came and worked very closely with us to design the system. It was a brand new experience for me. I, I've done implementation of electronic requesting, I've done implementation of electronic prescribing elsewhere, but nothing, nothing close to this scale. It's and kind of like a skyscraper, is it? Like if you see it in the distance, it looks kind of big, but then when you get closer and closer, you just realize how much there is to it. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Like I know. 13, 14 computer systems amalgamated into one. Much more than on, that. On one day. Yeah, yeah, I much mean, more than that. Those are just incredible. the clinical systems. Right. Yeah, okay, you, yeah, in the background, you've got the other systems, yeah. like inventory and all that kind of things that we don't hear much about. It sounds crazy that overnight, you take effectively five, six different hospital sites and you say, you're going to work this way and you switch to a new way of working. And one thing we always have to remember is that the old way of working is not the fact that it's just on paper. It's the number of workarounds that we have put for the paper that suddenly don't work anymore. And you don't know the workarounds until you until go live. And you, yeah, until it happens. <laughs> and you go like, oh, that workaround doesn't work anymore. I call that person. That person can't do that anymore. Yeah. And I think we, we, are, we are learning a lot of that. Um, but what, what is the alternative to what we call a Big Bang approach? The alternative is a phased approach. I, mean, we, I think in the run-up to it, I did kind of, I was like, surely this will be phased at some point. <laughs> There's so much, surely part of it will come online and part of it won't. But So one thing that was phased in the end, as you know, is our chemotherapy prescribing. Yeah. So in the end, we ha that had to be phased because we weren't able to build enough of the chemo protocols in times, but, uh, but that go live of that system would be in October. October. But hopefully by then, at least people can log into Epic. They know how to do most of the other stuff in Epic that actually the switch off on the what we call the beacon module for chemotherapy would be smoother. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the first couple of weeks, isn't it, that 
was the real the real busy period of kind of just people who've never seen it before coming on shift maybe yeah, for the first yeah. time a few days in. I think the months um, leading up to it, we couldn't really we couldn't work out what it would look like, no. what it would be like, and the the prospect for as a ward manager and Gav you as a as a nurse educator and trainer, we were trying to prepare everyone as much as possible, and it just seemed out of this world that it would just change on one night, but it did. Yeah. And the hospital it was, coat. It was like an hour. It was an hour late, though. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one it was an hour late. <laughs> yes. yeah. Feedback. It wasn't yeah. live. It was uh, 6.15 yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 No, it was. Yeah. From award level, the fabled like, rovers and like, when they were going to arrive. So, like, when, <laughs> when are we going to have these small phones that we can actually do yeah, all this stuff on? Like, I think they were like the day before. But, you know, yes. I guess the nice thing about using existing technology is, you know, everyone knows how to use an iPhone. Yeah. more or less so they figured it out like intuitively really, really quickly which yeah. you wouldn't have been able to do with like the desktop version which and is also, a bit more and so probably uh, detailed yeah and also probably we probably wouldn't have been able to do this five years ago when people are less familiar with their exactly. own iPhones absolutely um, so there's always something about doing it now which is, some people say UCLH has left it a bit late right to digitize yeah but you know it's it, there are there are advantages talking about iPhones so we have the largest uptake largest speed of velocity of uptake of mobile use of epic of anywhere so much so that we're going to be telling the story in the epic user general conference so i think now is nearly two thousand doctors have or something like they have signed up to the epic haiku app is called right. is that the one that they can download onto their work phone, phone so that they can access no, it's any phone oh okay yeah it's any phone it's not just their work phone mm -hmm. and of course their ipads I suppose yeah. one thing that was people's worry when you have all of this technology is that it shouldn't, that we wouldn't want it to limit communication between mm. people picking up the phone, having a conversation, and also having these computers in the room and everyone focusing on the computer and not the patient. So it reminds me of a story um, that I, I heard. Um, someone put a slide up in one of our digital health conferences, and it, it, it was painted by an eight year old of her experience of a hospital appointment, right? They went to an outpatient appointment. And she drew a picture of, of a desk and of a, a doctor looking at the screen, <laughs> typing, and a patient on the other end uh, having no eye contact. Mm. So, you know, children, they don't come with any preconceived ideas. <laughs> yeah. But that was their vision of how an outpatient consultation was. And, That's you know, quite powerful, it, it's very powerful. And it then reminds you that you should never ignore the fact that you should still be talking to the patient. And I think there's two things here. And number one, all of us have experienced this when we see our GPs, because our GPs have been using computers for a long time. So I've never quite felt they've ignored me when I'm there, so they clearly struck it, right? Our chief executive himself came from a hospital that used Epic before he came to UCLH. And he's, his message to us is, at least for the first 45 seconds, when you first meet the patient, just talk to the patient, don't look at the computer. So when I do my clinic, my screen faces the patient. So at least they can see what I'm typing and they don't get bored you know, when <laughs> yeah. I'm you know, ordering their blood tests mm. and things like that. So the, I think there are ways of engaging people. One thing that's really interesting is there's some, a certain confidence from a patient's perspective about the, your clinician just having all the information available in front of them. Mm. And that actually builds a certain level of confidence in your, your nurse or confidence in your doctor. They're not going like, asking the patient, so, so what did the last nurse tell you? So what did the last doctor tell you? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I don't have that confidence. What happened in your clinic? Yeah. 
what happened in your clinic. Yeah. That's fascinating because now, if, if let's say someone saw a rheumatologist before they came to hematology, I can just look at their note and it's there. Previously, if the letter hasn't been typed or notes weren't available, I will have no idea what happened. And I just realized just not having those conversations anymore. Yeah. And is there functionality for the patients to have some input into EPIC? Like, my pain score is now higher. Or, you know, I, I want to speak to a pharmacist about my meds because I don't know what's going on. And is that is that possible? Um, so I guess maybe you want to think of it both, let I me, mean, outpatient perspective and inpatient perspective. Sure. So in the outpatient perspective, there's this thing called um, uh, My Chart in EPIC. Okay. We've called, we call it My Care UCLH. That's the brand on top of it. And it is both a, a, a website and also an app on the phone and, and iPads, I think. Uh, and that has lots of functionality, uh, which includes ability to contact your treatment team, reschedule appointments, see your results, see your notes. And imagine in a pre-assessment clinic, you know, they have to fill in long questionnaires. You could pre-fill it before you come into, into it. So there's a lot of functionality. It's really new to us. People are still getting used to working in their day-to-day -day jobs with Epic. Having a new tool that we can engage patients is is great, but I think we're not quite there yet. I think mm. certain areas will pick it up faster than others, and we will learn from it. But I think it's it, we definitely shouldn't miss that trick, and we need to find a way of, of using it. And I think we probably need some help from people who have done it mm. to give us an idea on how you may inc incorporate it in your daily workflow. Like, who's going to reply to the messages that come through? Yeah. I yeah. mean, somebody needs to reply. There's no point having a way of doing it's it. Just that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's things like that that we need to, to figure out. Um, from the research perspective, for example, it's... There's a that's a real opportunity to how you recruit patients. Yeah. Um, because what you could do, for example, if let's say there was a particular study about people with um, COPD who is also been on aspirin, I don't know, who had an antibiotic, we could find that information in Epic, find those patients, and with their permission, we can actually then ask them to say, hey, there's this study that you may be suitable for. Can we have a chat about it? So functionality like that, we mm. definitely want to be able to do. And the functionality is there, the tech is there. We currently don't have a process yet. But we'll get there. Oh yeah, we have to. For so long, UCLH have great staff and great people with great ideas. And then they, go, they knock on the door of the IT department and the IT department say, we can't do it. Or where's your business case? We have to go out and find a vendor. Now we have the tools. We have the tools to do 95% of all these ideas. So we just need to now go to the next stage on finding a channel for people to get hold of the tools and to shape the tools. We don't at least have to think about that bit anymore. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. It's fun to do things like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Yes.